live from Linguini's base of operations. Today we will be diving into the aspects of running a bird company featuring my older brother Isaac, my thoughts on reading every day, and a quote. So you're going to want to stay tuned for the dough. See you on the flip side. You are now listening to Linguini's Dough. All right. So today on Linguini's Dough, we're featuring a guest, my older brother, Isaac. Um, so do you want to introduce yourself? Hello. I'm Isaac. Um, I'm Landon's older brother. I like music. He does like music. He's a guitar player, you know? Um, but I just wanted to talk about his... He recently... Is it a franchise or is it like its own business? Um, well, it's more so an own business. Uh, but to simply explain it, uh, yeah, it's basically just a franchise. Mm-hmm. But we don't look at it as that technically. Because of the work you put in it? Yeah, there's more legal uh, jargon that I could use to explain what more so it is. But to be- to better understand it, yeah, you can just look at it as a franchise. I guess I kind of want to go into detail on, do you know some of those legal standpoints? Even I, I don't actually remember the legal jargon, but I do remember I was reading through the contract and in quotation it said, um, please do not uh, misunderstand this bird company as a franchise, which it is clearly not a franchise. So it says that in the contract, but uh, all from all other aspects, it basically runs like a franchise. Okay, and for those that don't know, what type of business is it outside of, like, a franchise? Like, what does the business do? Um, what is what does my business do? Yeah. Well, basically, I have 50 scooters, um, and I put them out in Tuila, and I charge them up and put them out there and take them back when people ride them. And, yeah, I repair the scooters when they break. Um, they're my, my 50 little bird pets, you know. <laughs> I, I, they they call me the bird man. The bird man. <laughs> <laughs> I see it. Yeah. You're one of many birds. Many. Uh, let's see. And apparently some of them don't make it. Yeah. Some of them don't make it. I had one get stolen the other day, about a week ago. Um, I was looking for one for three days, and then I was walking through a field, and I kicked something, I looked down, and it was the brain of the bird. And the brain on the scooter um, is basically there's, uh, you know, the two wheels where you put your feet. Then there's the pole and the handlebar. On the pole, there's a white box attached to the front. And that's the brain of the scooter. Basically, someone cut that off and took the whole scooter. And so, yeah, you know. There's a lot of risks with it. A lot of risks. Uh, so what made you start this business? or how'd you, uh, First of all, how did you find out about it? Instagram. Instagram? Nice. Mm-hmm. And that treated you well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what got you to start it? Were you just like... Um, basically, you know, I'm, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. And I did my research. And I saw a lot of potential in this opportunity. And... Um, I wanted to seize the opportunity. You know, there's a saying that a famous guy says, uh, 
what does he say he says you know even if you don't know how to do something just say yes and learn later mm-hmm. fake it till you make it <laughs> but i'm not faking it now i'm making it yes uh, and in your experience so far well how long have you been doing this now two and a half months two and a half months um what's been probably the hardest part in your opinion um the hardest part would have been figuring out an efficient strategy to where i'm profiting every single day instead of losing money um because you know the paychecks aren't guaranteed so every single day you have to wake up and you have to um micromanage yourself and uh you know, get up and go work. Um, but uh, one of the hardest parts is uh, getting that uh, discipline, the self-discipline, definitely the hardest part. Uh, the other hard part is, is that, you know, it's a lot of work to take on and you have two choices. You can either hire somebody to help you and you have to trust them to do what you pay them to do and to not uh, slack off behind your back because that costs you a lot of money. Or uh, you can do it yourself and get it done right, but it takes a lot more time and energy. So those are probably the two hardest things. You know, I tried hiring an employee right off the bat, um, and, you know, it was going good, and then we have stuff happen, but, um, you know, now I'm working hard myself, and uh, with my employee, he wasn't a bad employee. He was a good employee. It was just uh, a very difficult situation to uh, understand right off the bat. So we didn't do the best right off the bat. But now I have him doing stuff that he's better at. So, um, you know, we can still be uh, moving forward. It's kind of like finding what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. How do you find your, how did you find an employee? No, uh, just a close friend I knew for a couple of years. He was down. He, he had no job playing video games every single day. He wanted to work. He has a very, very good work ethic. He's a hard worker. Um, and I trusted him a lot. So, you know, I, I was very fortunate to know somebody like that. Uh, if you're starting a business, you should... Uh, expect to have a hard time to find your first couple employees that will stay. So when you were when you hired him, or I'm assuming you kind of started it with him, um, but when you were hiring him, were you was there fear with knowing that like if you can't afford to pay him, is there a fear with that? Um, not necessarily. Uh, if you um, hire an employee and you uh, explain. Well, basically, uh, me and my employee were on the same understanding, so he knew that uh, it's commission. So, you know, I'm going to have him do work, and then based off of how much money we make, he could get a percentage off that. Uh, okay. But if we make a lot of money, he makes more. If we make a little bit of money, he makes less. But if he works more in one week or works less in one week, you know, it doesn't really affect how much he gets paid. He's not paid hourly then, all commissions or percentage? Mm-hmm. So each week you get paid just percentage, percentage-wise, you know. Yeah, okay, well, that's cool. Um, how often do you 
work on like a typical week? Uh, for me, um, on a good week, uh, between like three to four hours every single day. Um, but I did just, I was really sick last week or two weeks ago and I couldn't even get out of bed for like a week. So sometimes stuff like that happens and, uh, you know, it kind of throws you off your, 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 uh, rhythm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't really just tell yourself, oh, well, the company will work if I work 40 hours a week. Because if you work 40 hours a week and there's still more work to do, then you're going to have a harder time getting up off your chair to go and finish the extra work. But if you just don't think about it and you just say, I work till I work, and when work is done, work is done, then when you go home and you're about to play some video games and then someone reported a broken scooter in the middle of the street that I have to go get, you know, I don't have to fight my mind because... I'm almost always in work mode, but mm -hmm. not really. You know, like, I'm basically on the call 24-7. Like, yesterday, uh, you know, I finished work at, like, 4, and as soon as I got home, I had to go back out to do more work because there was four scooters that I had to go pick up because people said that they were blocking their driveways. And so it's like, you know, you, you think you have time, but then you don't. But um, in it, it's just, you know, sometimes there's hard things, sometimes there's good things, but it's worth it. Um, is, so is that another aspect where having that employee is a good help because you're on call 24-7, so. Yeah, but it's not really good to hire an employee until you can actually gauge about how much you're making. Um, and it's hard for me to gauge how much I'm making right now as for the company just started, so. You know, usually I just got to count on myself for stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Do you enjoy the type of work it is? Mm -hmm. And is it specifically the fact that it's your own business and it's your own work at it that it's that you enjoy? Or is it like the specific work, like maintaining the scooters that you like? Yeah, well, um, you know, maintaining the scooters and taking care of the scooters. Um, I don't really think much about it. It's not hard. Um, but uh, with my job is a lot of driving i don't like driving as much as i do but i'm capable of driving as much as i do so i don't complain um but aside from that it definitely does help with confidence and and uh everything having your own company and trying to get everything uh going like that yeah i know previously you worked like a I don't know if it was a nine to five, but it was for someone doing helping with cabinets. Is that correct? Yeah, it was a nine to five construction. Uh, definitely one of my least favorite jobs. Um, I work so hard at this job because I never want to go back into construction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if, if uh, I have to work hard right now, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's worth it for the long term. Yeah. Yeah. No, 10 to 12 hour days. And you were getting paid like nothing. Yep. A lot of those places like to do that. Do you consider the pay good for your business right now? Yeah. Yeah. An improvement? Uh, yeah, definitely an improvement. Uh, just 
I mean, I obviously have some things that I've been really stressed about that I'm trying to get situated, but uh, in the long run, I can definitely see it being, uh, you know, way better. I know some of your struggles with this startup was the fact that it was in Tooele because you don't live it, or at the time you didn't live in Tooele. Um, do you want to maybe expand on what those hardships were like? Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, I I would have to drive 40 minutes to go drop off, you know, 10, 15 scooters and then drive for about an hour to pick up, you know, 10, 15 scooters and then drive 40 minutes back. Um, but the thing is, though, is that uh, with the type of work that I do, uh, it, you know, it, it just makes it easier to be in the city you work in. And so now that you're in the city you work in, uh, you know, when you get those uh, reports where it's like, hey, uh, is that we need to move this scooter, then you only have to drive like 10 minutes instead of two hours, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember you, because you said you're on call 24-7, sometimes you'd get back to where you were living and then you'd be like, you'd get a call and you'd have to go right back out. Mm-hmm. It's happened a lot. You know, it happened, um, it happened recently. And I think it was Father's Day or your birthday. It was one of them. I think it was Father's Day. Yeah. Yeah, it was Father's Day, I'm pretty sure, because I, I just got home, and then I had to go pick up, like, two scooters. Okay. Um, so I know right now you drive a little... It's a Pontiac, right? Uh, Pontiac Grand Am. Pontiac Grand Am. Yeah, it's a little car. Um, so my I'm kind of curious, how do you store the scooters, and how do you put them in your car to go set them back up or set them somewhere else um uh, i have a place to store the scooters uh you know where i can uh put the scooters in and charge them and uh it's uh just a backyard so it's like nothing special i mean the scooters are made to be outside so i just put a tent over them and they're good um but i my pontiac grand am uh can fit on a good day, 14 scooters in it. For the record, these scooters are not small. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a two-door V6 sports car that I can carry 14 scooters in safely, legally. You know, so. Do they fold up? Mm-mm. Oh, wow. I put five in the trunk, and then um, you put five on top of the folded-down back seats. That's 10. And then you fold down the passenger seat and you can kind of fit like two to four more. If you put, if you go over 12, there's like a super high chance you're going to get hurt though. Cause like that's where I got all these oh. <laughs> is when I was uh, experimenting with how much I could, uh, make this Pontiac work for me. <laughs> so right before we started this podcast, he was showing me a bunch of scars, not scars, but scabs. No, they are scars. Scars, yeah. These are all scars. Yeah, he got a bunch <laughs> of scars from those scooters, like across his arms, his feet, his legs, yeah. everywhere. No pain, no game. No pain, no gain. That's what I'm saying. What's the, do you have to pay anything monthly to put those scooters in? Is it your employee's backyard? Or is it somewhere else? No, no, my employee's backyard. No, I pay him. Mm -hmm. so that 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 worked out for you then yeah 
um, let's say I wanted to start this. The scooter business is called Bird. Yeah. Okay. Let's say I wanted to start a bird company. Would you have any advice if I were to start on this? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, basically, uh, you have to touch the scooters. Like you have to touch every one of your 50 scooters at least once every 48 hours. If you're not touching every single one of your scooters every 48 hours, you're doing something wrong. Um, and then having a reliable uh, work vehicle. Um, if you live in the city that you're in, you know, just make sure your vehicle's good. But if you live outside of the city you're in, you need an extremely reliable work vehicle. Um, I've already had an SUV break. That was $4,000 right there. Um, and um don't spend money you don't have just take it slow be patient okay and then i know earlier you were talking about the kind of placement of scooters in a sense i guess mm -hmm. it, it's important to know where you put your scooters where they're going to be the most profitable yeah um what's how do you go about planning where to put your scooters Oh, I just started putting my scooters everywhere I could think of in Twilla. And then um, the app takes in that information and builds you a map that shows you where scooters are most popular. Um, but by the time that I had all the information uh, with the map and I could use the map to put the scooters places, I already knew places with my mind on where to put the scooters, so I didn't need it. So I just memorized where the scooters go. And then I put them in the same spot every day. Uh, I feel like the scooters make more money if people can count on them being in a specific spot every day. So that's why I work every day as I try to keep the scooters in the same spot. Yeah, people definitely like that consistency. Do you have to go bring them back to the backyard to get them charged? Yeah, so the, you take them out at 100%, set them out on a sidewalk and Tuala, um, bring them back at you know, 15, 20% and you charge them back up to a hundred and then repeat. Okay. And is there any way you can, cause I know it's more like, Hey, I just pay with the credit card or whatever. I go write it somewhere and then I get off and leave. Is there any system for people to leave reviews or recommend your company? Uh, yeah, no, I get reviews all the time and, um, there's not necessarily a way you can recommend my company. That's where we're going back to uh, the franchise. Mm -hmm. um, basically, uh, the, the reason why companies do stuff like franchises is because once you, uh, once you are making a certain amount of money and once you have a certain amount of influence on civilization, uh, you know, it's not really worth it for you to keep opening small brick stores. You know, you're going to be focused on bigger things, long-term business, longevity, and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, basically you'll set up a system where you have a bunch of eager entrepreneurs uh, send you applications uh, to own some of your brick stores or start new ones. And, you know, you cut the profits with them. Now, granted, that's less money, but the thing is, is that money isn't really the concern for mcdonald's anymore mm -hmm. now they're just trying to expand to as big as possible and the fastest way to do that is to cut most of their stores with their uh, uh least profitable yeah franchise counterparts so you know uh yeah i like that um do you do you see your scooter company working long term yeah just 
stressful because, you know, uh, sometimes you don't know if it'll work, but sometimes you do. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you think you'll be able to uh, take a week, like a vacation, like a week-long vacation sometime in the near future? Or do you think it'll be a couple of years before you can do that? I think it'll be probably six to 12 months before I can do that. Hey, it'll be nice when you do. <laughs> but if, uh, I mean, I could probably take a vacation sooner. I, it would just cost a lot more because I'd have to make sure that people are taking care of the scooters while I'm gone. Because mm-hmm. if something happens and none of the people that I'm paying to take care of the scooters can take care of them, then I get in trouble, you know. It all goes back to how you have to trust your employees. Mm-hmm. They really can, you know, uh, ruin everything. Yeah. Were there any things that you were responsible for that you would have no idea you'd be responsible for when starting it? Yeah. Uh, they started me out with twice as many scooters than I thought I was going to get. That was exciting. That's a plus. Yeah. Uh, but aside from that, no, not really. I mean, it all kind of went as I was expecting it to go. Well, that's good. Not necessarily saying that it was easy. I expected it to be hard, but... But you obviously haven't failed yet. You're still going... Two months. <laughs> Two months. <laughs> Two months. Let's see if I can go farther. Let's see. Uh, I guess in what ways, how do you think your life has changed? Like any knowledge or just... Obviously, your schedule's changed. Um yeah, just that type of thing. What, how, is, how has stuff changed since? Social life definitely has changed. I've been a lot more busy. It, you know, takes an emotional toll. Um, where I live, uh, you know, I'm here half the time, out in Tooele half the time. I'd rather be at home with family. But, you know, it was just the 4th of July. And uh, even though it doesn't seem like there's that much work to do, it took me like two weeks to prepare for fourth of july um which really upsetting um and then hmm, aside from that um i mean i'm a pretty active person i like doing things and being active i don't like not doing anything it's hard for me to sit down and do nothing Mm -hmm. so my life hasn't changed that much um, what are some other details about the company that you feel like I that you can talk about that I didn't go over? It's a very secretive company. We do a lot of sketchy things. I'm just kidding. Drugs? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, I mean, it's very straightforward. Um, you know, uh, the bird company makes money. Um, I'm making money for the physical labor. Um and it's definitely worth the physical labor that I've been exerting. So, you know, it's, and it's exciting, but I, I'd say that that's, that's, it is what it is. It is what it is. Do you want to hear crazy bird stories? Yeah, let's hear some crazy bird stories. All right. Well, the scooters are made out of uh, very, very, very durable metal and plastic. Uh, two and two wheels, you know. So there's two wheels and a floorboard. The floorboard's like three inches tall um, because it holds the battery. And the plastic walls that connect the floorboard together are really thick. So, you know, the side walls. Um, but basically, I go to pick up a scooter and... Um, I see that the handlebar is bent 
because uh, someone crashed it so hard they bent the handlebar, which first off is uh, very hard to do. And then uh, I looked down and someone crashed the scooter so hard that they had an object puncture like two inch thick plastic sidewall, which was insane. They must have been going so fast. Going on a hill. And I've also had a church steal one of my scooters. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I can't disclose what church, but... Um, oh, you know exactly which one, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I know exactly which one, and I'm sure everybody could guess. We'll keep this up to your mind. I don't want to be mean. But they did steal one of my scooters, so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Didn't you say recently one of them went on fire, too? Uh, no. So, basically, somebody melted the plastic on one somehow. But uh, it just looks a little bit weird. I was like, whoa, that's weird. Let's see. Um, oh, so, I know, so, you have to maintain these and whatnot. What is kind of the... How hard was it to learn all the ins and outs of the scooter to get it, like, when you need to repair one? I'm still learning. You're it's, still learning? It's, uh, you know, I mean, it, it just, it, for the first month, it was super hard because there was a lot to learn. You know, I couldn't just focus my time on learning the mechanics on the scooter. I had to focus on so many things. But now that things are kind of settling down, I'm able to fix a lot more scooters than I have ever been able to. But it's still, at times, I find it very stressful because, you know, spare parts, spare tools, tools break, scooters break. I've broken scooters and had to refix them because of my own mistakes, you know. So it's, uh, it's a process. And from what I understand is the scooters aren't even... The scooters are expensive to replace if they do break. Yeah. Would you say it's a good portion, if you're allowed to talk about it? Would you say it's a good portion of, like, it takes a good net loss on you? It can. It just depends on what type of situation I'm in. Okay. Depends how profitable the whole week was and just kind of depends. Yeah, there's a lot of variables in that um, you have to think about. Uh, your statistics, how many scooters you have out, how many scooters are already broken, how many scooters are charging, how many scooters are ready to ride and active and charged in Tooele. Um, you know, if those stats are looking all bad and you have a scooter break, that, that just makes it harder. But if you're, you know, if you're soaring and you have one scooter break, I don't really think... It's that detrimental towards the whole business model. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those expected losses. Mm -hmm. um, when your business is doing bad, in a sense, uh, how do you keep your mindset up about just keep going at it and knowing that you'll get past that roadblock? Um, well, honestly, I just play music as loud as I can and work because... Uh, there's not really anything I can tell myself to calm myself down. You know, I, I'm an adult man. I don't have any endearing words for myself to, you know, <laughs> make myself feel better because I mm -hmm. have to work hard. You know, if I'm worried about something not working, the only thing I can do about it is work. Okay. And 
backing off of that, um, do you have to look at the analytics? Because I know you said you memorized kind of where you should put your scooters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not just going to keep working and doing the same strategy. You know, that that's literally the definition of going insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for me, it's, uh, you know, I, I like, let's say, OK, so, for example, we had a U-Haul and the U-Haul was doing good for the first couple of weeks. But then profits fell by almost half. And so we couldn't afford the U-Haul. So we had no work vehicle. And so then I got an SUV um, and the SUV broke down. And uh, so the profits fell again. Um, And so now we have no work vehicle and we're trying to figure out how to get the scooters out. And, you know, I could be and, you know, I'd be sitting on my bed you know, thinking about what I'm supposed to do. I have huge issues that I have to fix now. You know, I I needed to get these things done yesterday, you know. Um, but sitting there didn't help my mental state. It didn't help me in any way. It just mm-hmm. made me stressed and gave me bad emotions. So what I would do is I'd just get up and go work. You know, I'd pick up whatever charge scooters I'd have and go and put them out there. Or I'd, uh, you know, go pick up some dead scooters. But um, I'd just say is uh, it's really been a good way for me to cope with the stresses of having a business fail. Mm-hmm. And so far, no fa- it hasn't failed. Yeah. Even with those stresses and difficulties. And now we're at my car with 15 scooters. <laughs> uh, what's your uh, car's mileage right now? hundred thirty four thousand seven hundred thirty nine that's actually really good i thought it was much higher because my car is at hundred eighty six thousand so yeah so i guess that's why your car is doing good you got it for a good price too Um, i take good care of my car i drive it almost 300 miles a day yeah and you make sure the oil's changed Mm -hmm. um who are the type of people you wouldn't recommend this type of business too because there's obviously you where you're the entrepreneurship type you like to take risks i wouldn't recommend this job to anybody who has struggles with genuinely struggles with anxiety i would i would not recommend this company to that um if you are an adrenaline junkie uh yeah you know Mm -hmm. sure (laughs) try this job um it's just you need a lot of uh self uh what do you call it discipline and you need to be um very flexible because you have to think of solutions that no one thinks of because Mm -hmm. that's how you make it that's how you compete against the others Mm mm-hmm Oh, do you have to be first to get your scooters to some spot versus because I'm sure you're competing with others? Uh, uh, no, the city's big enough. Okay, yeah. I guess you're not going to really run out of space. And Yeah, if I see somebody that put their scooters by my spot, I, I don't get upset about it. Actually, I'm really, uh, I, I really enjoy uh, the other guy that has scooters out in Tooele. He's a really great guy. Um, he's super nice and, you know, you'd be, you know, you, you know what I'm saying when you meet him, he's just a really great guy. 
Um, and you know, sometimes some of his scooters are by mine, but it's not really an issue. It helps out a lot. It helps everybody, you know? And so when you see some of his scooters that are knocked over, you know, it, it helps everybody to go and pick it up. And when he sees some of mine, you know, I see him pick up some of my scooters sometimes too, you know? So it's all, it's, it's all, uh, it's like a friendly competition. It's not necessarily a competition even. It's just uh ecosystem, better, mm-hmm. better said. Um, do you have any, I guess, say if anyone else wants to be an entrepreneur, um, how do you, do you have any advice in terms of going about the risk of quitting that nine to five and going full at it with your company? Yeah. Um, basically uh don't second guess yourself but also don't be dumb you know like if you're you're telling yourself that something's gonna work and every person left and right tells you that that's a terrible idea you know it might not be a terrible idea it really just comes down to how much you trust yourself how much do you trust your judgment on a product to be wanted by a consumer base and to be profitable um but you know uh i would say sometimes you're not given the right tools to get something done and it's hard but you got to keep trying no matter how much you fail i failed so much i've been failing i fail left and right you know i might as well wear a jacket that says f on it for fail (laughs) because i failed a lot i played basketball for two years straight and i won zero games and i played baseball I couldn't hit the ball once. I don't believe I ever hit it once. And I, um, hmm, what else did I play? Uh, I got back into basketball in high school, and I never even got onto the basketball team. I didn't get on the swim team. I didn't get on the tennis team. I didn't get on the debate team. You know, I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life. I mean, I tried... Uh, I took an architecture class. I thought I was going to go to college and be an architect. I took astronomy. I thought I was going to do stuff in space and astrology. Uh, I took science. Uh, I wanted to do science. Uh, There was a time that I wanted to write, too. I took creative writing. But all of these things I'm listing at, by the way, I failed miserably. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I took French, Spanish, German, Japanese, um, I've learned, I, I've attempted to try all of those languages and now I can just do, you know, bonjour, bonjour, como ça va? <laughs> <laughs> that means, hi, how are you in a French? Um, but you know, I mean the, the moral of the story is it's like, you know, if, if you try five things, you know, you're only going to understand f- five things that you're not good at. But because I've tried 50 things, at least I know 50 things that I don't want to do anymore. Mm-hmm. And so now, next time I look at doing something, I know that my chances are greater in succeeding because at least it's not one of those other 50 things I've tried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's very important that you did the trying versus thinking on it. Yeah. There is no try, just do.
All right. So it looks like we learned a lot from Isaac. Um, you can check out his Instagram at Lord Farquad. I'll link it in the description. I'm a sussy baka. He's a sussy baka. All right. On to the next piece of dough. That information was awesome. Moving on, we're going to mix the dough with a quote. It doesn't matter what we want. Once we get it, we will want something else. This was by Flo from Matt DiViella's video, Don't Make These Personal Finance Mistakes. This was a comment on the video, and he was quoting a phrase. Not sure where he got it from, but that is where I found it, and I thought it was pretty solid. Um, I like this quote because when I was in high school, I was a huge impulse purchaser. I never realized till later on. Part of it was because I thought it was making me happier, but instead you end up wanting the next thing after that. I've learned it's hard to be content with what you have. But that is a crucial aspect to just being happier, in my opinion, is um, working on being content with what you have, because it's hard to be content with what you have sometimes. When I started being quote-unquote financially smarter, there were a couple of things that helped me. Looking at future goals was a big one. Um, being content with what I have, and that I think is the most important one. Using what I have as well as being content and not wanting to be too broke where finances are going to hurt. But obviously, emergencies, it's nicer to have some finances ready. I'm still not perfect. I still have what people call gear, acquis gear acquisition syndrome, short for gas, but I do it in a different means than I previously did. Um, now I understand I likely don't need the stuff that I'm looking at buying, and I make sure that I have twice the amount to be able to buy it. Before I buy it, I'll make sure that I'll actually use it and I just make sure it's a purchase that's going to be solid for me that I'm not going to waste or it will help me in the end, I guess. Anyways, so this is a pretty straightforward quote. Just once you get something, you're going to want something else. So we're going to move on to the next segment. This is for my reading every day challenge. So for those of you that, that don't know, for July, I challenged myself to read a little bit every day. I chose this challenge because I was starting to have a pile up of books I needed to read, one of which was my New Year's resolution. So finally got that out of the way. Um, the books I read slash am reading is The Greatest Salesman in the World, Everything is Eft, A Book About Hope, and The One Minute Millionaire. I also chose this challenge because so many people recommended reading. There's a reason for a stereotype of people who read being smart. Because in my opinion, reading makes you smarter. Although that shouldn't be why you read books. And I definitely don't consider myself smarter after reading for a month. It's got to be a consistent habit that you enjoy, like a hobby, you know? Um, so as a human being, I did not complete this challenge 100%. I missed a couple days, but that was only when I was literally busy the whole day and ran out, ran out of time. If I had free time, I made sure to put in the effort to read at least like 10 pages. Uh, one of the things that made it harder to read for me when I was reading a book is when it was a book I didn't particularly enjoy. So for The Greatest Salesman, that was an alright book. I took what I could from it. 
Um, it was an amazing book, though, in my opinion. I am kind of not great at reading either, so it, it might have been better than I thought it was. I don't know. But it was an alright book. I, I, I liked reading it. Everything is Effed is probably one of my favorite books now. Um, I wanted to read more than a chapter a day, but I limited, limited myself to a chapter a day. Plus, it, it made me be able to like understand the words I was reading more than just reading and not understanding what it's saying by only doing a chapter. And honestly, that book was amazing. The book I'm dreading, and, and I'm still in the process of reading it, is called The One Minute Millionaire. Someone bought it for me, and that's why I'm still reading it, because I'm like, eh, I'll just read it, you know, bought it for me. I do personally prefer reading nonfiction books because I like learning. However, fiction books are a lot of fun to read as well. I find nonfiction books hard to keep my attention span, however. So when I read them, I really have to be paying attention so that I don't just read words without understanding, which it still happens a lot, even with trying. And as I work on finding out who I am, reading these books, I've read it, and the past month has honestly been helpful. Um, the Greatest Salesman was showing confidence and getting past that kind of anxiety. Everything is F was showing some really insightful philosophy things, and it was amazing, honestly. And the One Minute Millionaire, well, it teaches me of what type of book I'm not a huge fan of. Some books I look forward to reading in the future are Investing for Dummies, The Bagelhead's Guide to Investing, and some more financial books. Right now, I'm not investing a whole lot in the stock market, but when I make more money and plan on getting a serious amount into it, I'd like to already have a good amount of knowledge of understanding like bonds, stocks, index funds. Just a general idea where I can sum those up in a sentence and it makes sense to me. Because right now I find a lot of it confusing. I'm like, oh, I'm investing. <laughs> Currently losing money. <laughs> um, so yeah, in summary, I definitely recommend doing this challenge. It has been one of the simplest challenge, but also super healthy for me. It turns out high school me was wrong. I do like reading. Don't love it though but I do like it. For August challenge, I will be doing a post-it challenge. Basically, I'm going to put positive post-its in whatever places I put them. I haven't decided yet. And they'll be positive. You know, you know, and I guess I'm doing this because a lot of times I'll like, people be like, you're smart. And I'm like, no, I'm not. So it's kind of just a confidence booster because we all have insecurities. So there you go. I guess that's what I'm working on. It'll help build my confidence and it just seems healthy. I got it from someone I follow named Montelfish. And that's where I got the idea. I think it's cool. Anyways, I'll see you guys on the next piece of dough. Peace. Alright, so the guests in this episode are Isaac, aka Lord Farquad on Instagram. Links will be in the description. My challenge for August is writing positive notes about myself. And if you'd like to be a guest for Linguini's Dough, there'll be details in the description for contact info. If you're wondering what Linguini's Dough is, this is where we start with dough, which is a base ingredient, and we bake from that. We can really be talking about anything. I do try to keep the dough baked at a consistent level of productivity and self-improvement. However, it can be rolled around from time to time. The voice actor in this video is user slash Lendry from Reddit spelled L-E-N-D-R-Y. Go check him out if you want a reliable voice actor. The songs in this video are Slug Love 87, Go On Going, Sharonigos, Digital Memories, and Witness, all from the YouTube library. I'll see you guys on the next piece of dough. Peace.